the church. Ephesians chapter 4, if you would stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word, this is not just what some guy cooked up in his basement. This is Almighty God revealing who he is. And so, every time the word of God is read, every time the word of God is explained, each of us have to make a choice. We're either going to accept it as God and God's word and submit ourselves to it, or we rebel against it. And there are consequences to both. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul is writing, he says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive, a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. Whew! Now, he gave some as apostles some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We, we got a lot to talk about this morning, so let's bow in prayer. Father, my understanding of who you are is very slight. And Father, as I seek to explain your word this morning, I pray that you will work in and through my mind and my lips Father, I pray that you'll work in and through the ears, each man, woman, and child that's here. Father, that for those ears that are believing, that you would strengthen belief in you. Father, for those ears that are here that are unbelieving, that you would give evidence that must be examined and that we would look truthfully and honestly wanting to know you better. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I got an interesting question that I want to begin with. What makes a church a biblical church? What makes a building, a group of believers, a New Testament church? The video that we did watch in the beginning says that the, the body of Christ, the church, is really the only body that its very reason for existence has nothing to do with itself. The reason we exist is outside of ourselves. Now, we tend to think of unity in terms of, well, if all of us would just get together and all of us would find out where we agree and where we disagree, we could have a summit like the healthcare summit. We can all get together and have a summit and we could find out all the things that we agree on and all the things that we disagree on and we can drop all the things that we disagree on and we can just meet together as a mutual admiration society to say that these are the things that unite us together. That's not the church. That has never been the church. It will never be the church. 
We are one in Christ. I got one amen from that. Man, tough crowd this morning. We are one in Christ. The way we will be unified together is not by us talking to one another. The way we'll be unified as you, each individually, and as I, each day, get into his word, as we seek his direction and prayer, and we grow in our relationship with him, guess what? We'll get to know God better, and in getting to know God better, we will be drawn closer to each other. Isn't it interesting that if you get out of your word for a few weeks and you don't care about church anymore and suddenly not only do i feel separated from god i feel separated from all my church family that's the way it should be that should be one of the things that draws us back now jesus himself said let's bring up this verse in john 15 jesus is speaking he says i am the what you are the what okay you got the picture in your head he's the vine you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he does what? We talked about this in Sunday school a little bit. He bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do a little. Boy, we have lost sight of this in the church, haven't we? Do you realize that if I truly understood that outside of my daily abiding in God's word and my communion with him in prayer, if I really grabbed a hold of that I couldn't do anything the rest of the day, do you think that that would be a priority to me? Is it? No, we can up with oh, you know, it was crazy this morning. <laughs> you know, I got up late and little, you'll see this hair, it takes time to do this thing. And, and then, you know, we, got to eat a good breakfast and before long the kids were out the door but it was noon before i really and then you know noon i gotta have me some food i'm hyperglycemic and i need food or i get a headache and then the rest of the day shot and before long it's time to leave and traffic i got so mad on the way home i just couldn't talk to god and then i got home and the wife hit me at the door and good night she told all day long about her day and before long i got ticked off at everybody in the house and i was in the garage and before long it was midnight and i had to go to sleep and Start all over again the next day. That's, that's more of our lives. That's more. Would it be that we would really grab a hold of God's word and say, look, in order to start the day, I've got to start abiding in him. And if I don't, the whole day is ruined. Rather than going through and proving that the whole day must be ruined, how about let's just say, I can't do anything of any eternal value today outside of abiding in the Lord. It is essential that we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. That's essential. It is essential that every day I'm growing to be more like him. Now, I'm, here's a newsflash. You ready for this? Christ is the life of the church. Not the programs. Not the ministries. Oh, please, if we could grab a hold of this. Come to our church. We've got the best music ministry. That's not what draws people to the church. Oh, come to our church. We've got the best Sunday school class. That's not what draws people. What draws people then? When they see your life, they see you living a life of love for Christ over and above yourself. And everybody is wanting to live for something greater than themselves. And they can't understand how you can do it. How can you do that? So you say, how? Well, th this, is how this is where it's at. It's Jesus Christ every day. He's the one in control of my life. When I start wanting to take control of it, I talk to him. I say, God, would you help me? And he does. Here it is. You like your body? I mean, don't answer. I mean, this is, you know, <laughs> you, you don't laugh. Do you like your body? I mean, look at it. I mean, gravity has taken over a lot of mine. Uh, but do you like your body? I've been watching Forrest Gump all week, have you? It's been on, like, incessantly. You know, it, you like, for, I, you know, Lieutenant Dan, you got magic legs. I like that. Can you, you don't know what it would be like to be without legs, do you? I mean, I may not like the way my legs look. People think I'm riding a chicken when I wear shorts. But they're my legs. I like where they carry me. I like the ability when I get up in the morning to swing them out of the bed and get up. 
I like the opportunity to wash my face with these hands. I like to be able to get in the car and drive. Wouldn't be able to do all these things without my body. You said, where in the world are you going with this, Brother Dan? Do you realize that we are the body of Christ? We are. All together, not individually. Individually, we are members of the body. So, Christ is the head, we are the body. Do you think God loves us? Why did God pick that, that route? You know, the church carries out the ideas and the abilities of Christ. That wasn't so smart, was it? Yeah, it was smart. You see, I'm at his disposal. Do you realize that? Are you his disp- at his disposal? Do you move when he tells you to move? Isn't it weird when your arms just start doing? Think about it. Think what has to happen. Do this. Can you all wink? How many of y'all can wink? Raise your hand if you can wink. Not everybody can wink, but do this. Wink at me. Think about it. Think what had to happen. Okay? Your mind heard that I said wink. And then your mind told your eye to wink. And guess what happened? Your eye winked. There's so many miraculous things that happen every minute that we don't even think about. Think think about your little heart right there. I don't even think about it until lately when I get on the couch, it skips a couple beats, and then I start thinking about it. When we don't do what Christ asks us to do, it's just like the body being controlled by the body rather than by the head. Have you ever seen anybody in convulsions? It's not a good look. It's scary. It's, you want to know why the world doesn't see Christ? Because we're not carrying it out. Uh, in the 1920s, there's two men, Howard Carter and Lord Carnarvon. They uncovered King Tut's body. Have you read about this lately? I mean, it's been a long time since they uncovered it in the 1920s. But they've been having this on TV, and it got me to thinking. They showed pictures of him. And here's this guy that lived for thousands of years ago. And they uncovered his tomb, and everything was intact. It's really quite amazing. I mean, he's in good shape. But you know when they took the cover off his coffin, he didn't hop out and say, Thank you for getting me out of there. And locked in there for two thousand. Why didn't he? He's dead. All the pieces were there, but he was dead. I think that's where we're at as a church. All the pieces are here, but we can still be dead. For generations, I think we have tried to, uh, how can I say this? We've been preserving an institution. This is the church. We think about it in terms of the building. and We think about it in terms of the people and the positions that they hold at the church and the good things that we do at the church. That's an institution. And bless God, we would hate it if the church did not have enough money to keep the lights on and then we would be a bad testimony to the world because the church just didn't have enough money to keep going. That's the way we picture the church. Rather than a living, breathing organism that is meant to grow and affect our community. Do you realize that we are supposed to be the arm of the Lord in Zebulun, North Carolina. Do you realize that? Now, every once in a while, we get put on a guilt trip, and we go out and we tell somebody about Jesus. This is what happens. Maybe we, we corral them, and we even get them to come to church. The last thing we want is to bring people into church. For most churches, we bring them to church. They see what the carnality of everybody that's here, and then they start mimicking that, and then we just got another carnal person. We're not ready for the world to see us. Do you realize that the New Testament calls us not to, really not to do something, but to be something? And I'm wanting you to grab a hold of that. Not what you do for the Lord, but who are you? We talked last week about two, we got through two points, and I'll just hit on these real quick. Number one, if we're going to be unified as a church, here it is. Let's bring it up. Here it comes. 
Church unity is our what? Just on Sundays, right? Every Sunday, that's our calling, to go to church. No, every day. See, every day as you grow in Christ, every day as I grow in Christ, every day we'll be growing closer to one another. Die to self and live for Christ. Let's all say that together. This is not normal, okay? If you start doing this, you are going to look weird. You're going to be a freak. You will be taken advantage of. And while they're taking advantage of, they're going to be doing this. What in the world is their deal? And maybe they'll come up and ask you. And when they ask you, that's your chance to say, hey, Jesus Christ is the one and the motivation why I do what I do. But we didn't stay there, did we? We then said that church unity demands that the, that the clergy participate. How many? Is that, what, how many does all mean? All means all. And we've, we went through the whole gift thing, that every person that has surrendered their life to Christ has been given a grace gift. Grace meaning you've been given something you don't deserve, and you have been given it for a reason. The reason is to serve in the body of Christ. It is a visible evidence that you are dying to yourself. Any place that I can get in the church where I can sacrifice myself, that's what I want to do. That's not happening. It's not happening in the church. You see, people come to church for what they can get, not what they can give. And until we break that cycle, we will never, ever, ever, ever have unity in the church. If you come here, you go, well, I'm here, wow me. The choir will never be good enough for you. The sermons will never be quick enough or long enough or funny enough or whatever enough. The nursery will be too loud. The paint will be the wrong color. It'll always be something until you get your eyes off of you. Now, let's move on to some new material this week. Church unity depends on all coming of age. I can put this a different way. How else could I put this? Anybody got any suggestions? We all need to grow up. But I'll leave off the up because none of us are going to arrive at being Jesus Christ. So how about this? Each and every one of us needs to grow. We need to be maturing. Now let's look and see what that actually looks like. The idea that church is basically a spectator sport sickens me. That you come and sit, that's what God's called you to do, and God's called me to come up here and flap my gums. Or that the church is the place that is supposed to steer everybody's gifts. I don't know what my gift is, Brother Dan. It's this, and now I need you to do this. You'll never see that in the Bible. You see, that's your responsibility before God. To come before God and say, what is my gift, God? I think I'll try something. We said last week in verse 11 that he gave us his word, he gave us this church, and he gave us a pastor. You with me? You see, the, the word where I'm getting that from is the apostles and the prophets. They're the ones. There's no more apostles and there's no more prophets. I don't care what it says on any church sign. There are no more prophets. There are no more apostles. You can look that up historically. These are the people that put together this. But guess what? We got this. How good is that? Evangelists are still around. These are what we call missionaries. These are the people that plant churches in places where there's no church. We had Brother Keith McCall here. Then he said, we have some pastor teachers. Now, keep those three things in view, and now we're going to connect them in verse 12. Here it is. You're, are you awake? Okay, good. I need you to be awake. Here we go. Verse 12. Number one reason is what? For the equipping of the saints. And now we're going to connect this back to the apostles and the prophets. We have God's word. 
You will not be equipped as a saint. A saint just means someone that's set apart for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a Christian, okay? That's not somebody that walks around with a halo or a sunburst behind their head. You will never, ever, ever become equipped as a child of God. You will never, ever mature as a child of God until you get into God's Word. You can come and listen to all the sermons. You can get them all on tape, and you can have tape libraries or CD libraries or MP3s at your house, and it will never, ever, ever affect you like it will when you get into God's Word. When God starts speaking to you, you say, well, how, in, how can He do that? I don't know how to study God's Word. Look, the reason I preach every week is to show you how to break down a passage of Scripture. If you'll listen and write down, you should be able to see how simple it is. Some places it's difficult, but how you can break down words have meaning and understand the meaning of what the text is telling us. You should be learning how to do that here, not just getting fed here. Now, what's next? There's the equipping of the saints. What's next? For the work of service. Now, we're going to refer to this back to the evangelists, the people that start the church. What's the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church is to serve. What? We call the pastor here to serve. We didn't come here to serve. The deacons, now they, they, they maybe serve. But all of us serve? what it's saying the work of service i i touched on this a minute ago but do you realize that the church should be the hub of our society for service do you realize it's not the government's job to take care of people that cannot afford to live that's not the government's job they'll never be able to do it well because god has not called the government to do it But he has called us to. But bless God, we're so happy with ourselves that we don't even want to get ourselves dirty in the community serving. What? We want them to come to our church so they can come and serve us. Wow, are you serious? Did you come here to get or did you come here to give? Next, what's third? To building up the body. We're going to take this to the pastor teachers. I am the bodybuilder. You like that? I would flex, but I don't, I don't want to rip this suit. Actually, I could flex all day and I wouldn't rip it. <laughs> I'm the bodybuilder. What is the purpose of the pastor teacher? I'm here not to magnify myself, but to magnify Jesus Christ. So that you would get to know him rather than me. This is so important. I can't be everywhere with you. I can't be all that you need me to be. But I can point you to him. There's going to be times when I'm not going to be there. When you think I should be. But you know who's going to be there? Every minute. Jesus Christ. He's not going anywhere. And my job is to be there to help you get to know him. And see, as you get to know him more and more, the less and less you're going to need me. This is a work in progress, isn't it? Now, we get into the next that says, it gives us certain results. As we grow in our faith, we should be getting stronger and stronger, Right? We shouldn't be dealing with the same things this year that we dealt with last year. The church tends to go in a cyclical movement, right? Back around, same problems come up and again, and we, we're in a rut. We'll get to this in a minute. But let's look at some results. Result number one. Until we all attain, really what the verse 13 is saying, until we all look like Jesus Christ, holy. Do you look like Christ? I would hope you could say yes to this. Maybe not holy do I look like Christ, but there is, 
God is doing a work in my life. I've been preaching on love and all that mess. And I got in the car with Sean, I think it was two weeks ago, Valentine's Day. It's been a struggle in our marriage. Our marriage for 21 years, the struggle has been me. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm just me. And, and my own impatience is always an issue. I don't know about you men, but impatience always lends itself, reveals itself in anger. And we were in the car, and I said to Sean, I said, you know, have you seen any growth in my life in the last 21 years of marriage in this area of patience and anger? I'm not going to tell you what she said, because that would really embarrass me. No, I'm just kidding. Isn't that good to kind of stop with the people that are around us the most and ask them, do you see any difference in my life? Do you see any change? Or am I like Groundhog Day? Every day I wake up, it's the same stinking mess. Boy, it shouldn't be that way. We all want to be maturing. Look what it says in verse 14. As a result, we're no longer to be children. Tossed here and there by every wave and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. You know, it's, it's like the verse we read when we started the service. Some people are going to come and tell you that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to God except through him. And then somebody's going to come up and say this. It, uh, nuh-uh, that ain't it. It's do whatever feels right to you. You do, Look, I may tell you that when you die, you're going to stand in judgment before a holy God. And then another joker is going to come and is going to say this. Uh-uh, when you are buried, that's it. You're worm dirt. So what's right? How you know? A new Christian's like, I, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, but then this dude at work told me that it's all fake. That this was written in somebody's garage in 1975. He also told me that there's 5,000 contradictions in here and that I can't trust this at all. Well, did you ask him about any of those contradictions? Well, no! I'm so frightened. That's where we're at. You see, the Bible lays out this that says, when we first get saved, we are like a little baby our baby's wonderful until they wake you up at two in the morning and their diapers dirty or if the dirtiness has gone out of the diaper and it's all in other places now in the church it's nice to have new christians isn't it but it's also nice to have mature christians also and what i think that we have here is a whole bunch of people that have never matured you see, because everyone's still saying, me, 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 me. It's, you know, you can't really fault a baby, can you? Being six months old, just standing up in his crib, screaming bloody murder because you can't get their bottle. But it's ridiculous when you got a 50-year-old man doing that. Shouldn't we grow? Shouldn't we be dealing with different things in our life? Shouldn't we be looking more and more like Jesus Christ? Then... People can say all kinds of things to me. There's all kinds of lies in this world, but I'm not going to be rocked by them. I know what I believe. I know where my foundation is. If you want to have a conversation with me, great. If you disagree with me, great. But you see, I am on a journey of examining evidence. This journey didn't start yesterday. I've been on this journey for a long time. You may think this is my first rodeo, but it is not. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only do I believe, but he has changed my life. He has changed things about me that 21 years of marriage couldn't change. He's changed desires in me that nothing can change. So, is your life more steady? Or is it up and down, in and out? 
I feel good today. I feel down tomorrow. Brother Lee and I about gave up with this. We were trying to chart Sunday school attendance at our church. It looks like a heart rate. There's about a, a quarter of our church every week that decides to lay out. A quarter. Now, imagine if you would. A quarter of the parts of your body just deciding to wake up or just not to work today. A quarter of them. How would you work? You would be handicapped. You would be a freak. People would love to watch you. You don't hire the handicapped because they're fun to watch. Are you needed? You see, if I'm just coming to get and I don't feel like getting today, then I don't need to be there. But if, I, if, if I'm needed there to give and I don't show up, then there's a deficiency. And the church will never, ever, ever be able to carry out the cause of Christ. To stay home, we, we may be able to function. But 25%? Are you kidding me? Let's move on. Result number two. Oh, here we go. Verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects in him who is the head, even Christ. We're to grow in our comprehension of the truth, right? Jim, should you know more about God's word today than you did a year from now, from, from today, last year? Yes, I'm sorry, I didn't say that very clear. Should you? Should you be growing in your trust in the Lord and your prayer life? Should you? I've got this theory. I'm going to share it with you. You ready? i got time. Here, here's my theory. It says, speaking the truth in what? So, I really feel like every one of us is predisposed to one of these. And the other one we struggle with. Let me explain. I am a more of a right-wrong person. I see things very one way or the other. There's no gray area in my life, really. I don't, I don't really see things that way. I see things as being true or false, bottom line. Not, I realize that not everybody lives their life that way. Now, I have no problem with the truth. I have no problem with objective truth. But what I struggle with is love. You see, objective truth without love comes across very cold and uncaring. That's my struggle. Some of you have the same struggle. So naturally, I'm drawn to the truth, but not naturally. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit can love be portrayed through my life. So each day, I don't have to get up and say, God, help me to understand the truth and to embrace the truth. Today. No, I don't have to do that because I embrace the truth. What I have to do is pray, God, please help me today. Even people that do not believe the truth, that I will love them. Now, some of you have the opposite, don't you? Some of you are just naturally loving, sweet hearts. Some of you are. But you have no regard for the truth. Let me explain. That would be like Keith. Keith comes to me and he says, Joelle has done it for the last time. She is out of here. And I love Keith. And I say, Keith, bless your heart. I'm so sorry you're going through this hard time, Keith. You know I love you, man. You know, Joelle, you could have done better. I told you that when you got married. <laughs> You know she's a no-good, dirty dog, right? You know that. Get rid of her. Get somebody better. Do you not hear this in church? Is it loving? Well, love without truth is not really love at all. They've got to go together. So if you're one of those people that just empathizes with everybody, and you normally run off of your feelings. That's great. But know that each day you're going to have to get up and renew yourself in the truth. There is a right, there is a wrong, and we all must answer to that. 
But you see, we all got these things that come natural, and we've all got things that we're going to struggle with. Isn't that great? Across the board, God was fair. How about the last result? Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, from, the, from whom the what? The what? Whole body. That's all of us. Being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Do, we, we don't need anything. God has given us everything at Hales Chapel Baptist Church that we need to serve him. To reach our community, he's given it to us. When we have another need, he's going to bring someone into us. It really brings in the fact that everyone that gets saved may not come into our church. And that's okay. Look what it says here. According to the what? The proper working of each individual part. The proper working of each individual part. Does it say the proper working of at least 75% of the parts? Each part must be engaged. And when each part is engaged in carrying out the gift that God has given each part to reveal to each and every one of us that we are dying to ourselves, then God will work. Then what it says, it says... This causes what? The growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That's what we want. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 says this, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our what? That you all agree. Are you kidding me? We're Baptists. And that there be no division among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind. Colossians tells us, if you read it, it says, have the mind of Christ. Same mind. And what's the next one? Same ju- How can you and I, all of us, how can we all have the same judgment? That's objective truth, right? We can't all have the same judgment unless we're all judging from the same thing. Remember, there's only four authorities in the world. Remember, everyone is living their life by one of these four authorities. You ready? Number one, tradition, the way I was raised. Number two, the way I feel. I just do what I feel when I feel it. Number three, the what I think, my own reasoning. And number four, revelation from god the first three are subjective meaning they change for each and every one of us the only way we can judge the same is if each of us are leaning on the same standard now edmund burke said whatever disunites man from god disunites man from man i want to hit on one fallacy in the church We somehow think that we can be fighting with each other like cats and dogs and still all of us be right with God. That's a lie. If you're not right with each other, you're not right with God. Remember, apart from Him, you can do None of us have arrived at this, so what do we do with it? Let's look at this just for a second. Look at your church attendance. I I ask you to just look at it. What's your faithfulness like? I don't think that church attendance is everything, but I think it is something, and I think you should examine your faithful life. Is it steady, or does it depend on what you feel like? Is it steady, or do you depend on how everyone else is treating you, your experience? Did mom and dad come at Christmas and Easter? So you come at Christmas and Easter. And you're doing better than that. You're here. It's not even Easter. Examine your, examine. Let's look at something else. How's your quiet time and your witnessing? And I would ask you about your witnessing, not that you're going up to people, but how many people have come up to you? You see, because if you're living out the Christian life, they're going to come up to you. 
That's how radical it is. I talked about this in the first service, and I'll talk about it now. This, this is a, a good Sunday for me. This is, I came to this church 2003, uh, March 1st. This is the last day in February, so six years ago, Sean and I came here to be your pastor, and to be your pastor's wife. I have not always enjoyed it, but it's been great. It's been great. But here's what happens in our church. I've been talking generally about every church this morning, not specifically about ours, but here I want to get specific with our church, about a pattern that's been in our church for years and years and years. Here it is, that we get to a certain point of growth, and then we go back down. And then we get to a certain point of growth, and then we go down. We get to a certain point of growth, and then go down. I'll never forget, when, when I first came, I confronted a couple people before I even accepted to come as pastor. I, I talked with Rob Dawkins. I said, what's the deal? What's the deal with this? I, I said, I looked at the, I asked Mary Esther before I ever came here to preach. I wanted to see a list of how many pastors had been at this church. When I got the list, it shocked me that the average day of a pastor at Hales Chapel Baptist Church was two and a half years. Scared me a little bit. Asked Brother Rob about this, and he said, well, we've never had at our church stable leadership for long periods of time. And I said, I'll accept that. But here's what I won't accept now. You have had consistent leadership for six years. I do not think that I have veered off of what the point is for six years. But still, we're in this pattern. So guess what? You can't use the excuse anymore of we don't have consistent leadership. That excuse is gone. You can't even use the excuse that we don't have consistent leadership for our kids. Do you realize what a rarity it is to have a, uh, a youth pastor, an associate pastor, be here for over five years? So those excuses are gone, which is great. I love it when God does away with excuses. So we're down to this each and every one of us looking at our hearts. I'm not separate from this. I'm in it too. Each one of us has to look at our heart and say, am I drawing closer to Christ each and every day? Am I doing that? Or am I looking at myself? It, that's the only way we're going to break through this cycle. I desperately want to break through this cycle. Don't you? Don't you want to see? Now, I'll tell you this. This is just from my heart. I don't care if our church ever gets big. It doesn't really matter to me. You know what I would love to see? I would love to see people coming into our church, growing in the Lord, being called out of our church, and that our church get into that cycle. That there's just this change going on of God calling people other places from here. That's exciting. But that's not where we're at yet. We've made progress, amen? But we've got to break this. And the only way it's going to break is we all say, it doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I think. God's word is what I believe in. It doesn't matter if I feel like going to church. I'm going to go to church because someone needs me there. Now, these are the needs of the body. I've got this question, and I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, and I'm closing are you causing trouble in the body by your being unsound, by you being sinful, or you being lazy? Paul is begging all of us to get it right, to grow up. Put on your pull-ups and grow up. Colossians, let's bring it up. Colossians 3. This is great. Not that there's any passage of Scripture that's not great, but this one's exceptional you ready so paul writes as to those who have been chosen of god holy and beloved that's the church i added that in there okay that's not in the verse okay that's the church put on a heart of what humility gentleness and bearing with what 
Wait a minute. Whoa, back up. Do what? Shut up. Are you kidding me? I ain't forgiving you. You ain't forgiving me. Why should I forgive you? Does it tell us about that? What does it say? It says, whoever has a complaint against the pastor. Oh, excuse me. Whoever has a complaint against. Ooh, this is all encompassing anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also. Remember that old song, Cuts Like a Knife? That's the truth right there. You want the truth? How did Jesus forgive you? While we were still sinners. That means I've got to forgive you right in the middle of you sinning against me. You reckon we could get along if we all had that attitude? Ooh. Then what does it say? It says, beyond all these things put on. I was listening to Brother Jason talk to the kids at the school about love. And he said they asked him about the Taj Mahal. If you kissed your boyfriend in front of the Taj Mahal, do you feel love? And he went in to explain to seventh graders love, which is, he's a bigger man than me. Do you know love is not a feeling? It, it, see what it says right here? Put on love. Just like this morning you got on and put on your undershorts. Every morning get on and put on what? Love. How are you going to do that? Only by getting into God's Word. Look at this. It says, which is the perfect bond of unity. So let's bring up the next slide. Here it is. Here's our formula for you mathematicians. I love math. I love math. Here it is. U plus choice plus action equals outcome. Let's bring up the positive one. Here it comes. The church, that's the body of saved people that have surrendered their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, plus the truth, plus... Dying to self equals every time. Let's bring up the negative. If you trust in the world, live like the world, if you believe the lies of the world, and you focus on yourself, guess what's going to happen to this church? Every time. This is true in church, whether you're talking about two people in a personal relationship or whether you're talking about 200 people. If we have disunity in the church, number two is the answer, why? If we are unified in the church, then number one is the reason why. There is no other way around it. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to write down this little formula. Now, the next time you get upset at somebody else, whip that puppy out. Are you working out the formula for disunity? Are you working out the formula for unity? Because disunity in the church doesn't just happen. Nor does unity. But one or the other will be going on. Will you bow your heads with me? I've talked a lot today. And I hope that you can leave here. Understanding that your Christian life does not have to be confusing to you. Nor does your life at church have to be confusing. If we would take God's word and we would apply it to our lives, such clarity would come that it would scare us. And if we will submit to God's word, he will step in and he will use us in ways that we could never, ever, ever It really comes down to what choice you're going to make. Are you going to come here to serve or are you going to come here to be served? Father God, we love you. We lay our lives out before you and ask you to deal with us. Father, for those that are here that do not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I realize that I cannot open their eyes. Father, I realize that you can give evidence, but you cannot get rid of a heart of unbelief.
Father, I pray that you would work circumstances out that would soften our hearts to you. Use us as you see fit. Use this invitation for your glory, not our own. In Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, Brother Jason is going to come and sing. This is a time for us to do business with God. So let's all stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. The altar is open. I'll be down here if you want to talk with me. But this is a time to deal with the Lord. Come just as you are. Hear the Spirit call. Come just as you are. Come receive Christ the King. Come and live forever. Come just as you are. Hear the Spirit call. Come just as you are. Come receive Christ the King. Come and live forevermore. Life everlasting and strength for today. Taste the living water and never thirst again. Come just as you are hear the spirit call come just as you are come receive Christ the King come and live forever